0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Twilight Saga fan podcast. Stephanie, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I am doing so well, and I am eager to record not only this episode, but to consistently go through the rest of Midnight Sun. It has been a long time coming. It has. So we are going to cover in this episode, chapter 11 of Midnight Sun and chapter 12 of Midnight Sun, which has been the holdup because it's right before the end of chapter 12 where the original draft that got Stephanie so upset, not, the, not my Stephanie, not you, but Stephanie Meyer, the one with the really weird well, spelling of Stephanie but um yeah. So we let, let's let's jump straight in, shall we? I have notes. Did you know that I created notes? Yes, you told me. All right. Uh chapter 11 is interrogations. And I believe that the original twilight book also had a chapter titled interrogations. It does. And it's kind of mirrored. Yes. Obviously. Twilight from Bella's perspective and a midnight sun from Edward's perspective. And there's a lot of overlap because it, interrogations is really them spending a lot of time together. And even when they're apart, it was told from Bella's perspective, such as, you know, the lunch conversation between Bella and Jessica.
1: Well, that was class. They were in class.
0: I'm, yeah, in trig yes. class. That's correct. And she cut it off at uh, for the lunch mm-hmm. conversation. But anyway, but even while she was in trig class, even th- the midnight sun is giving us a different view of that because, well... Because w- he's watching. We we had learned that, that he's watching it through Jessica's mind, which I think is, is fascinating. And then we're also going to cover chapter 12, Titled Complications, which I believe there's an entire chapter in uh, Twilight called Complications. And that got me to thinking, I wonder, are all the chapters matching? And then they're not. And because, well, there were significant portions where things are happening. You
1: know, where Bella sleeps.
0: (laughs) Yeah, where Bella sleeps. And this crazy, insane, uh, peeping Tom keeps his watch keeps watch all night he's a stalker he is a total stalker how is this a romantic story where involving. edward where edward thinks he's involving
1: teenager.
0: yeah where he thinks that he's the good guy in this you know although he doesn't think he that doesn't think guy.
1: that but he wants to believe that because that's what she believes
0: Yeah, well, I don't think he, yeah, he wants to believe that, but he does not believe that he's the good guy. That's what I just said. I I was just processing that. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. Okay. So in the previous episode of the Twilight Saga fan podcast, I shared my pitch perfect connection. I still, I think there's something there. (laughs) And if you haven't listened to that, you probably don't need to go back and listen to episode 51. But if you wanted to go right ahead... All right, so at the after at the open of the chapter we learn from Edwards' perspective that Carlisle has taken care of Orlando Calderas Wallace, who was sus- he was a suspected murderer and wanted in the states of Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Mr. Wallace was apprehended by the police in Portland, Oregon thanks to an anonymous tip and CNN- seeing <laughs> Yeah, a.k.a. Carlisle. Uh, And he was found unconscious in an alley just a few few yards from a police station. Carlisle. And CNN reported that it was up in the air about whether or not he would either be extradited to Houston or Oklahoma City. And uh, Edwards thought to himself, I've done what I could. This repugnant creature was no longer hunting. And I was not a murderer well not recently anyway he says
1: well yeah, because when he first turned he hunted bad people yeah that that was what he did
0: yeah and he we learned that in the movies right
1: or maybe not when he was first turned but but shortly after i don't know where i learned it from here's the thing
0: well we learned that well, in the the we've, the original we've books
1: been in this world for in and out of this world <laughs> Megan was in the third grade, which makes her what, eight? What's twenty-two minus eight? That's a long time.
0: <laughs> That's a long time, Stephanie. Um
1: so I don't remember
0: but I remember vividly
1: I, it, where all of the things originated from. We
0: haven't learned it up to this point in Twilight or up to this point in Midnight Sun in this book, but we do know later it's explained it is he reveals that it is is, somewhere yeah i just don't know where yeah it's fine um anyway i love there's this is my commentary i love the part where he was tempted to dwell on uh how easily the guy got off so he's like man i just don't think you know that it's fair that he and he says but i decided to put it behind me and concentrate on what matters most and I, I just think that that's a, that that is something that I admire about Edward, is the fact that he was able to not dwell on the fact that this guy is still alive. He doesn't you know in a way he doesn't deserve to be alive. Not after what he put Bella through and all of this other stuff. But he's like you know what this has been taken care of. This is this is not worthy of my thought is where he went and I and I like that that was a good that was a good conscious decision on his part.
1: I would beg to differ that he didn't think that it was not worthy of his thought, but there were worthier thoughts.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. In comparison to
1: In the comparison, other things right. that
0: he would want to be putting his mental capacity and energy towards, which let's
1: face it, everything from this point forward is all Bella. Is all Bella,
0: right? Which one could argue, well, I mean, this he, is it, it's the argument is it's all Bella's present and future. Yes. Because this whole situation with Mr. Bella's Wallace was present, Bella's
1: past. It's all Bella's present and a desire for her to have a future.
0: Ooh, I like that. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Very good. Because I think he realizes that at any moment his control could snap and it would cost her everything. Yeah. And, and him, because he'd have to live with that for eternity. Yep. And he realizes that.
0: I love that uh, we just get the glimpse of Alice. She's so eager for this coming friendship that she knows is going to be there. And and, and she's just like, I just love to see that. She's
1: like a kid waiting to go to Disney World.
0: Yep, Exactly uh let's see i i wrote down i still find it creepy that edward is sec- secretly watching bella as she sleeps at night mm-hmm. i think i i don't care who you are just it's creepy it's creepy uh, you know it, it just it, it it is that uh the long su- oh okay it says the long sweater was uh was too big for her unflattering and I just made a note that he really did not like this sweater. <laughs> and he brings it up much later in the chapter, not like a couple of pages later, but like almost to the end of the chapter. He, he, he says here, referring to the possibility of them together at the dance, uh, when he's starting to think about what that might be like, he says, for a brief second, I was overwhelmed by the idea of holding her in my arms at, the, at a dance, where she would surely wear something pretty and delicate rather than this hideous sweater
1: really didn't like the sweater.
0: But I love that this is one of the things that I she love. She
1: just picked the sweater to stay warm because she didn't have a coat.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what I one of the things I love about a good author is how they have in their mind this mental picture of Bella in a sweater. And sometimes as a reader, I'm like, I know this is a fictional character. And I know that she has described that Bella had this oversized sweater when she left the house. You know, and then all of a sudden, we're near the end of the chapter, and I've completely forgot, I have no clue what Bella's wearing. You know, I've already forgotten what the weather is outside, unless I've been recently reminded, and stuff like this. And But yet, it's little details like this that all of a sudden make me want to slow down and really picture the atmosphere that's being described, and to make a clearer, more mental image of it and not just continue to go through. Does this make sense?
1: It makes sense that there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and Thank you, baby. We'll just go with it because you're a man because that I've never I've never sat down to read Twilight and forgot that it's cold and wet and rainy in Seattle and like I probably have worn a hideous oversized sweater for comfort and and warmth rather than for appearance. Um also I don't care if anybody cares what I wear. I wear what I want to wear. So for me reading that as a woman, I didn't forget about the ugly sweater. I'm I'm picturing like the other ugly sweater like in my head like yeah, no, that's why I have a detailed draw of it. So I didn't forget about the sweater when he mentioned it at the end of the chapter.
0: See, I, I had complete, I, rem, I, f, I read the beginning of chapter 11. I know the word about the oversized sweater appeared on the page. And of course I was listening to it in audio form, but still, I know I heard that being described. But the sweater did not register in my mind until at near the end of the chapter, where he compares the fact that if they were to da- go to a dance together, he wouldn't, she wouldn't be wearing this hideous sweater. And then it wasn't until I went back to take notes to compare uh, the chap- the similar chapters of the same name between Twilight and uh, Midnight Sun, and also to compare the draft to the published work of Midnight Sun, that all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, this squider was in here in the beginning and I didn't even see it. Yeah, there's something wrong with me. That's fine. Okay,
1: <laughs> we're gonna go with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just say that that sometimes I'm not a details person, but it's little things like this. That sometimes? Re- yeah, sometimes. There there are sometimes I get really in, deep into the details. Okay. And I think that I I'm very selective about what I will be obsessed about as far as when that it comes to details. But when true. when I get passionate about something, I'm starting to see details. And what I can tell you is the reason why the sweater is in the show notes here is because I have become a little bit more obsessed with the story. And that's a good thing for the audience of this show.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> what? Uh, nothing. I, I, am I or am I not the one who's brought up the, the oversized sweater?
1: You are.
0: So therefore... It registered. It finally registered with me. You
1: finally got it.
0: I finally got it.
1: 12 years later.
0: 12 years later, baby.
1: <laughs> hey. <laughs> I,
0: I still will argue that I am the biggest Twihard in our family.
1: You are. There's, there's you don't even need to argue it. I'll give it to you, but you
0: are one would argue that you don't need to do as much work effort and put as much time, effort and energy. Cause into I caught it. it all the
1: first time. Cause
0: you're just like, listen, I got all of that. I, I didn't need to reread the book like three or four times in the last decade. Cliff, I got it the first time or the well, first seven times.
1: One of the things that we talked about the other day is that when I started reading, Twilight, which would have been what, like 2008?
0: Something like that. Is that that
1: when the first movie came out? And so seriously, it's been like 13 years. Um, When I, yeah, so uh, when I sat down and I started reading that story, I stayed in that world for like nine months (laughs) That it took me to like actually put those books down and move on to a different story. I kept going back, and I would reread my favorite parts. Then I would reread the entire series. And then I would reread my favorite parts. And so I literally lived in that world. I, w- I was submerged in it for a very long time. Yeah. And so there are things imprinted on my brain that...
0: Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that you you have spent more time in Forks, Washington than I have. It's just that you had a very, it was a lengthy season of your life where you were full on like, man, I am deep into this. And while I don't think I ever went into the depth that you did, I've chronologically, I've spent more years yes, re- staying remaining attached to Forks Washington, mm-hmm. and probably just because I, I I'm trying to get in as much enjoyment out of it as you once did.
1: Okay, I'm trying trying to get as much okay
0: yeah, yeah. I, I'm so so <clears throat> I would say that still you've devoted more time. I've just remained faithful to not putting it behind me. It's still, and yes. it's, it's, it's just taken me longer to process my obsession with this particular <laughs> world. There we go.
1: I just found other worlds.
0: I know you did. To dive into. You did, and I'm excited for it. Matter of fact, I right now it'd be a great time for me to cross promote oh another God. world that I've just dove straight into Should I head take a nap now? no i'll just say it real quickly and i'll remind them hopefully at the end lord of the rings fan podcast is a brand new podcast that was just launched on saturday july 17th 2021 i had the desire to launch the podcast back in 2012 but i finally got around to launching it and i've already put out two hours worth of content in the first two episodes you can find this brand new podcast it's a solo podcast. It's my podcast.
1: Yeah, I ain't doing Lord of the
0: Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Rings podcast.com. Or just look for Lord of the Rings fan podcast with Cliff Ravenscraft in your favorite podcast directory.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not interested in Lord of the Rings at all. I was thinking about, um, like just now, thinking about how after we were watching, when we were watching WandaVision, um, after certain episodes, after almost every episode, we would then have to watch a YouTuber explain to us what we just watched. And I need one of those for Lord of the Rings if I was interested. Yeah. I know they're out there. I know. that But to this day, I've seen all three, three of the first original movies. Couldn't tell you what happened. I remember a huge, um, I remember one battle scene and, um with what's that what's that actor say virgo is that his name I, anyway um and and I remember um the, the creepy guy with the big eyes what's his name
0: uh that would be Gandalf no oh Saruman. no uh, Gollum yeah. oh Gollum yeah, that was played by Andy circus oh.
1: so anyway, yeah, I and mean, there are other minimal things that I remember, but you know, everybody knows my precious. You know Orlando Bloom and, played
0: Legolas and Liv Tyler played I, Erwin, I think. Arwen? Arwen? Anyway, yeah. So Anyway, that
1: um, but I remember one battle scene. I couldn't tell you what movie it was from. Um and that that really anyway. Total tangent. I'm not interested in Lord of the Rings, but Cliff is.
0: I am definitely Interested. So check it out. Lord of the Rings podcast.com. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Do you want to ride with me today? Yes. Thank you. And he says to himself, Would it ever cease to thrill me that I was the one she was saying yes to?
1: Before that, I love that he says, It's her choice from this point forward, always her choice. Yeah. Those are big words.
0: My question for him is, is it her choice to have him no. hovering over her bed while she sleeps?
1: Yes. <laughs> Creepily enough. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: But that's later though, I don't isn't think it? It, when, it, she, it's like the next chapter. Learns? It's like the next chapter. I'm pretty In sure. In chapter 13? I think so. Okay.
1: Um, I I think that it it remained being her choice until you get into the next book and and he leaves because that was not her choice.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, The happiness I felt when she sat beside me this way had no precedent. Despite the various entertainments and distractions my world had to offer, I have never been happy like this. Now he's been around for... uh, I forget like a hundred and some odd years or something like that. And in all of those years, it's her Bella that makes him the happiest he's ever been.
1: Has anyone ever thought that that's strange? She, she, she didn't, she wasn't that extraordinary. She's just a simple human girl.
0: Well, or is she, is she a simple human girl? Or does she until
1: he's introduced into her life? Yes,
0: perhaps. Mm. But the one thing. Okay, so there are three things that stand out to me that make Bella extraordinary. Okay. All right. First is the fact, and the first one that I will bring up. So I'm not bringing up these up in any specific order. But the first that I will bring up is the fact that she is the one human he can't read her thoughts which of course doesn't make her any different than anyone doesn't else change. until he learns about it. Right. So I, that I'll give you that. The second thing is that she is an incredibly intelligent and well mat- she is she is an intelligent yes, person that does and, make per- her and an she extraordinary is, teenager. She is very perceptive. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, way above and beyond the average teenager, exactly. So she's an incredibly intelligent and perceptive individual, and that makes her extremely uh, extraordinary and that means, especially to Edward, who has seen so many girls, you know, go from their youthful yeah, he's appearance been pretending to pretending
1: to be in teen uh, in high school for yeah.
0: And just imagine how many you look at all the graduation caps, right? Yeah. And you imagine all the people that he was teenagers with in high school in the various times that he was in high school. That
1: does make her extraordinary and to it,
0: him. And and it's like, listen, I don't care about your homely appearance or anything like that what i what i recognize in all of the times i've been in high school and all the times i've pre- pretended to be this age i've never found somebody who thinks as intelligently as you do at your age and has the perception that you have mm-hmm. and quite frankly enough so well okay jacob did give a little bit of a uh, a, a head start to her on the picking up on the storyline of him being a vampire
1: a head start. He laid it out. He
0: pretty much <laughs> laid it out. Okay, fair enough. But wait, I said there was a third thing.
1: Yes, you did.
0: And this comes from having, you know, s- seen the whole story from beginning to end. And that is, I still argue there is something about Bella. And there could be like a prequel. There could be something, uh, maybe her biological dad or something with her mother that Charlie we don't...
1: is her biological dad.
0: I'm sorry. Dad. I'm sorry. So that's crazy. So
1: that... <laughs> I'm just going to lay that one out for you.
0: There is, some, there is something in her lineage or somewhere where she's not quite fully human in the first place. Yes. Meaning okay. that she has some special ability, which... I mean, her ability is the ability to put a field around her
1: self. And I will tell you again, that none of these were, except for being mature and and perceptive, none of these meant anything until he entered her world.
0: Right. But I'm saying that she had this ability before he entered her world. And so even though... Nobody but would it ever there.
1: have been uncovered had he not? I, like,
0: I, would, I would say that she was destined to come across the world of vampires, potentially, if we were to get some kind of crazy prequel okay. story of Bella's great-great-grandparents. So, here's the,
1: so um, because you said Bella's great-great-grandparents, um, Megan and I have been watching Virgin River. And there is an actress on here. I think it was on Virgin River. Yes, it was. Megan's like, I know her. Where do I know her from? And I've been trying to figure out where I know her from. And um, she plays Ricky's grandma. I cannot remember her name other than grandma. Anyway, she is the actress who plays old Bella in the beginning of New Moon. Really? It's her birthday, and she sees her old self in the she thinks it's her grandma, but it's
0: It's her, her in the mirror. Yep.
1: In the mirror. Anyway, same actress. Yep. Very cool. Thought I'd share that with you
0: little connection there. All right, so we try to blend in. (laughs) You don't succeed. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Why did she drive today uh, if it's more conspicuous? And then he says, haven't you noticed? I'm breaking all the rules now. Yes. So question about this, these cars. He's got an Aston Martin. She's got a BMW M7. Is that what it was? Something like that. Um you know, they got, they got all these fancy cars. M3. Okay. And so the thing is, is that the question for me is, if they're trying to not be conspicuous, why have all of these cars? Isn't it possible that people might see them somewhere in these cars and ask, why do all these teenagers that, ha- that have been well, adopted think, by Carlisle? They just
1: think that they're spoiled, but they have them because why, why does anyone have anything?
0: Mm-hmm. But does Carlom and Esme, do they make enough money to be able to afford that They've lifestyle? They've been
1: making money for hundreds of years. They have investments. They have This is, this is covered the, in one of the stories. I
0: know how they have their money and why they're able to afford them. But is it a good story for their, is it good for their quote unquote cover and to not be conspicuous to actually own them?
1: It doesn't matter because they like fast cars. Fair enough. No,
0: but uh, anyway, that's it, it, just something that I mean. The fact that Rosalie shows up in this car as a high school student, it's like, well, she doesn't have a job. How does <laughs> have you Carlisle? have you read
1: these books and have you watched these movies? She's clearly not a high school student. <laughs> it's obvious to everyone that Rosalie shouldn't be in high school.
0: Well, it's not obvious to everyone because yes. they're consistently thinking, "Has because our cover been blown?" Because that's the story
1: that they've been told. That. No, I don't think so. What? They're not consistently. Has our story been blown? Has our cover been blown? Well, that, that, that.
0: But they they feel their cover is intact until Bella comes along, and then Rosalie gets a little ticked off. When like, Rosalie
1: what could be just as much to blame for driving the car. That's that that she's what I'm driving. saying. That's not what you're saying. That, that is what I'm saying. I can get that. That was the point that you think you're making. So, I don't know. Why are we going through all of these notes for? chapter 11 which is content that we've already read
0: because we've while we may have read them we've never given commentary on them
1: okay
0: and that's the point of this thing we did the twilight saga podcast i don't know if you remember
1: i don't remember if you remembered when we came here and we said we weren't going to start sharing commentary until we were reading new content
0: but then i actually got excited again and i wanted to create content and i want to do commentary
1: all right commentary it is my favorite part about Bella and and Rosalie's car is when Bella says, I don't speak car and driver.
0: Yes. And that- that's that's line <laughs> for line in both books. I know. <laughs> I don't speak car and driver. I don't. And then driver. she says, and I've heard of that when he yes. says BMW. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. At school, Jessica's mental boggling interrupted my thoughts. Uh, and and he knew that Bella would be interrogated in in Triglas. One of the things that I love from Edward's perspective is hearing the mental faults that are floating around in in uh, Jessica's mind, in Mike's mind, and even Angela Weber's. Mm-hmm. And and so it, I think that's fascinating to hear. Uh, The actual spoken dialogue, but then the what's What's not spoken. And that is a fascinating form of storytelling that makes this side of it way more interesting.
1: Yes, than just hearing Bella's inner dialogue.
0: Yes. Angela Weber. Monologue. Saint Angela. (laughs) (laughs) She's just
1: a really kind person.
0: She is. um, uh, And
1: content, which is very rare for a teenager.
0: Exactly, and the I love the fact that uh, Edward's like, listen, I've got to do something for this girl. There's gotta sp- be
1: something that she wants. I love how how disappointed and shocked he is when there's not something that's easily bought for her. He he was
0: disappointed, but at the same time had a high amount of respect, respect for that. And, yeah. She was one of those rare people who had what she wanted and wanted what she had, and he yeah. he appreciated that about her but made it difficult to fulfill his desire to to... to get her a gift Uh, uh, Bella outwits Jessica no lunch interrogation is what I've written down here as soon as the bell sounded Bella turned to Jessica in English Mike asked me if you said anything about Monday night Bella said A a smile pulling up at the corner of her lips I understood this for what it was offense happens. is the best yep. defense. Mike asked about me? <laughs> Joy made Jessica's mind suddenly unguarded, softer, without its usual snide edge. You're kidding. What did he say? That was all I was going to get from Jessica today. She won. Bella At won. Bella, that. won. Yeah. Bella won that round. Um
1: what he really could have said is that's all I'm going to get from Bella because yes because she outplayed him
0: yeah but but jessica was exactly but jessica was the only one who had that he was aware of that had any intention of interrogating her to find out more Mm -hmm. and so yeah i i I, I like that and this this actually goes to show that he not only understands that bella did that intentionally that was a very intellectual perceptive thing it's like oh my gosh I know how to cut We're off done. this. I am not going to go through this whole thing we just did at Trig. We are not doing part two at lunch today. And she, she that was that was ingenious.
1: Yes, yeah, she played them both.
0: She did. Very I well. love it. All right. Uh gym class with Alice. Oh. Okay. So this we did not get in the original book. Uh this would be fun. What? Yeah, we did. Badminton with uh Alice.
1: I'm almost positive and that they were in gym class in the original draft. Really? Yeah.
0: I remember Bella being in gym class with yeah. Mike.
1: Well, yes, because every time she goes to gym, she nearly kills herself. Yes.
0: <laughs> but there's a scene in the in the movie with Alice and Edward playing Batminton in gym class.
1: No, in the original draft. Oh, yeah. Midnight no, Sun. yes, definitely in the original
0: draft. I'm saying... This would be fun to actually see in oh, the movie. See,
1: have, okay.
0: Yeah. Right. So, so basically, could you cuz the book explains this is it's done so them because we know uh from the whole story how, you know, quick their responses are and stuff like that, and the fact that they actually have to work hard at mu- moving in human speed. <laughs> And so they're in gym class playing batminton and they're doing it to They're them, moving in slow motion. They're moving in slow motion to play the most dainty sport you could possibly. <laughs> batminton. <laughs> Not volleyball. I mean, I volleyball. Can't play.
1: I can't play badminton,
0: But batminton of all things. And you've got Alice sitting there twirling her racket like a baton. And it reminds me. In the movies, when they're doing the training for the fight, where everybody's coming in from Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, and they're in the woods, and 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 they do that montage where they're all training, you know, they're mm-hmm. they it's like uh, who is it? Was it Jasper is training all of them in in battle? That scene is amazing, and it's a lot of fun. But I would trade that scene for the scene of Edward and Alice in Batman class, in gym class playing Batman. Okay. I would I would totally I would have totally traded for that scene. But we wouldn't have known about that scene had it not been for Midnight Sun. Right. Okay. Just just want to say uh, so more than he likes me, absurd. All right. So basically Edward thinks that Bella's absurd. Uh, that she doesn't catch on to the. We say that she's perceptive, but there are some things that she just seems clueless about, about her love, except for the fact that she's very perceptive about the fact that, hey, every time you're around me, it looks like you're ready to dodge. It, it, right, I mean, you're it looks, always
1: trying to say goodbye.
0: Yeah, and it looks like you're in great pain to be around me. And and obviously, that she doesn't understand what's going on at that point. And so she's like, do I smell funny? <laughs> if she only knew how she smelled right okay um what who are you texting megan all right so should i wait nope okay our daughter is in lexington as we're recording and i guess maybe there's some kind of communication that's happening about her driving home is she on her way
1: I don't know she tried to call I sent her a text message said i am recording a podcast
0: gotcha okay if you if you need me to pause I, I don't, can pause she'll answer all right um, so Edward eats pizza at lunch was this in the movie
1: if he eats it I don't remember
0: it, it's kind of like kind of like what if somebody dared you to eat something I don't know
1: I don't know that I've seen those movies in
0: yeah it's been a long time like eight years maybe we should rewatch them and and redo commentary on them here after we finish Midnight Sun I'm twitching (laughs) maybe Cliff will do a solo review and commentary we
1: have a teenager who was um, a toddler (laughs) when we started into this Twilight world who has said I've never actually seen the movies check in with her
0: so which one, McKenna or Is Megan? Is she
1: not our only teenager who was a toddler when we started watching these movies?
0: Okay, but do you think McKenna would do a podcast with
1: me about this? I think she might watch them with you.
0: Oh, okay. And th- But you'd be okay if I came here and did a solo commentary on the Twilight Saga fan podcast on the movies?
1: Yeah, she might even get me to twist my arm. She might be able to twist my arm to get me to watch them with you.
0: But okay. We'll, we'll see. Well, if you did watch them, after your arm was twisted, would you come here and talk about them?
1: If I had to.
0: <laughs> I love you, baby. I love you too. I'm- so Edward eats pizza. That it was kind of a very um interesting uh scene. The the, the I mean it sounds to me like, you know, he's he, the the internal processes are that he has to actually, you know, cough this stuff up, if you will. He does. So there there's but Yeah. Okay. That. So, I mean, yeah. That's odd.
1: It What's odd about it? It has. I know they don't need
0: to eat, but you know. Hold on. I'm uh,
1: gonna. She's calling again.
0: Okay. So let me go ahead and pause our recording, and we're back. Anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. I mean,
1: it's not. There are times when when they would have to be, you know, a business dinner or or whatnot, where they would have to eat in front of people but their body has no way to process that because they're frozen to stone and it would have to come out.
0: But they have physical intercourse, which means that there are,
1: that is actually in my mind, a, a, um, a flaw of the story. Okay. Because I, I mean, I can understand how, how you can say that, that, that like Rosalie and Esme that uh, Rosalie and Esme Rosalie and Emmett have a very physical relationship right is okay um and they feel like when i touch you you're you're soft and you're so they they feel the same to each other so okay maybe they can get pleasure out of it but i don't understand i there there are flaws in the story yes with your body being frozen in a time yeah, there are things just that yeah. just don't make sense,
0: unless they have they go to some kind of special store for, like for the, the
1: whole yeah. Anyway, but if you remember when we read the um, the short life of Brie Tanner, yes, isn't it in the? There's a part in there where she talks about hearing, like metal scraping against metal, okay, and. What's the redhead's name?
0: I don't remember. That was way too long.
1: Okay, but she was making out with Riley, so there there was the physical noise of these two stone creatures coming together. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that there are flaws in in the story. Based on those things, but you don't want to think about that when you're reading a romance. You just want to, oh my god, they're so in love. They
0: yes, exactly. And so that's exactly what I'm saying. Is like I think it was a mistake
1: to mention the food or to mention
0: the to mention the food. Okay, this scene of Edward eating the pizza and making a huge point that he has no biological functions to process said food, yet he creates
1: a child in three books.
0: Exactly. This is a huge potential flaw in the oversto- all thing of the story to go against our suspension of disbelief, right? Yes. So I, I'm okay with the suspension of disbelief. I'm, okay, I'm totally fine with that. But this right here stuck out, which is why it's in my notes. Edward eats pizza at lunch. I, it's like, that's. I think that's worth mentioning, I mean, because she, she is clearly stating, hey, I want you to be consciously aware this guy has no ability to process organic material inside of his body. And so, therefore, it's like, well, okay. Okay. <laughs> what does this mean then? What can he and can he not do? And, and anyway.
1: Yeah. So, anyway. Flaws.
0: Exactly. See, this is why commentary is important, Stephanie. Is it? This is why people are subscribed to this podcast. Okay. All right. Uh, Rose's thoughts of disgust. Alice apologizes, but explains uh, she had to tell her now the alternative outcomes were worse. Trust me. And this is no, all at lunch. And this is all. Alice right, this is, is this whole, communicating this telepathically.
1: Whole ch- half of this chapter happens at lunch. Yeah. So. Um, also, I, I find it. Okay. They, they have been siblings. I'm using my air quotes for almost a century, or over a century, correct?
0: I think so.
1: Her assumption and her quick jump to the fact that he—that he was the one who told Bella that he was the one who shared—I find a flaw with. Yes. Okay. Um,
0: because and it's not until because in, until chapter thirteen that twelve. Oh, is it in tra- chapter twelve when he ex- he expresses to Rosalie that it was?
1: Yeah, I haven't I haven't touched thirteen yet.
0: Okay, fair enough. I, 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 I I'm, I'm trying just, to have a so, haven't. Well, that's right because I haven't gone into thirteen. Right. So,
1: um, that, so but, yeah, that I, but, but, new, but that was I the new. the that... new part
0: at the end of twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense.
1: So are we I just, in twelve? Uh, no, we're in eleven still because you took too many freaking notes. <laughs> We're not even to biology yet where they had friction because there was a movie turned on and the lights were turned out and the electricity was too much for them. And
0: that's something being that's in, in- the... Both books, the electricity uh, thoughts, yes. feelings in the car, and also in the in, classroom, mm-hmm. they're both feeling electricity, which is awesome because of the things that I'm studying in philosophy and how we're electric, you know, an energy being, and it's fascinating. And I like that she, Stephanie Meyer, clearly is well read up in some of those uh, quantum physics kind of things. And anyway, just like it.
1: So, yes. And it- but th- those are both, both things are. So we haven't got there yet in your notes. I think that maybe you probably took notes about that when we get there, but the fact that, that Rosalie Jump to jumped to conclusions, to conclusions, um, doesn't say much for the century that they've spent together as siblings.
0: Yeah. And and Emmett makes it clear. It's like, listen, mm-hmm. he's he's like, listen, the, the two of you of any of us are the ones that are least likely to let this story out. Right. You guys can barely say the V word.
1: So why would, yeah. So why would that jump be made?
0: I, just and because of who Rosalie is as a I agree. A That's what I was
1: just going to raise. She's so self-centered and she is, and we, he lays it out. Rosalie is jealous of Bella because she would do anything to be human again. She would even take
0: that homely form. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, they would, Edward says later on that, that out of the entire family, he and Carlisle and Rosalie would do anything to be human again. They would stand in fire for as many centuries as it took. To not be what they are, yeah. And so I just it, it does speak to to the character that that she created in Rosalie. She's very self centered, and it's not until four books later, or three books later, where Bella makes a choice that Rosalie would have chosen also, that she begins to have care and respect for her. Yeah. Anyway. What else you got here?
0: Well, it's the final note from the. I lunch. mean, you could
1: have just read the whole, the entire chapter. <laughs> Would you like to? No.
0: <laughs> we can take turns, paragraph by paragraph. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Rosalie's outrage continued, a caustic inner monologue that barely didn't ceased we, t- for a we second just cover all or two. <laughs> As she searched her memory for fresh insults to hurl my way, I forced the sound into the background, determined to be present with Bella. Now, I just I made a note of that because I really like the fact that this is really what it's like for somebody who actually does a lot of inner dialogue mm-hmm. and monologue. And while he's actually hearing and, and wrestling with the dialogue, uh, the mental dialogue f- coming from, emanating from uh, Rosalie, the reality is, is oftentimes, and I don't know if this is true of everyone, I know it's true of a lot of people and it's true of me, when I'm having a dialogue with someone, there is an inner monologue of thoughts and some of those thoughts, I used to believe that all of those thoughts are my own. But... Uh, reading the book "Think and Grow Rich," I've come to a very firm belief, for now at least, uh, in the opening chapter of from Napoleon Hill. The very first chapter, the first sentence in the first chapter says, "Thoughts are things and powerful things at that." What are you? What's wrong?
1: Something over there is talking to you.
0: It's it's all it's it's Siri on my. uh ipad over there she thinks i'm talking to her all the time
1: your office is spooked
0: (laughs) i'm telling you that that ipad literally she's like listen are you talking to me i can help you with that let me look that up for you
1: oh mine doesn't even answer me when i say her name she's like leave me alone
0: all i have to do is say and she's like yes yes
1: Sorry. Anyway, I was...
0: But anyway, I've learned that thoughts are things and powerful things at that, and that thoughts are not necessarily ours. They're, we just have a subconscious memory of every sensation that's ever come through, and oftentimes it's things that we've heard from teachers and preachers and authority figures in our lives that, and friends and peers who have said things and many of the thoughts that we have are literally the reverberation of vibrational energy that float around in the ether around our head, and we are tuned into those thoughts if we operate a certain frequency. It's way more than I want to go into in the Twilight Saga podcast, but I thought I'd bring it up. I thought it was cool, and and this extra sensori- sensory attunement to the live vibrational thoughts of another is not so far out of the realm of possibility. Okay. That's all I wanted to say about that. Gotcha. So one of the things that I decided to do, and I'm thankful that I just waited until halfway through chapter 11 to do this, because it would have been a pain in the butt.
1: Can I remind you that when we came down here, your daughter said, how long are you going to (laughs) be? Oh, I don't know. 30 or 45 minutes.
0: Did you hear the first answer I told McKenna? Yes. Dude, three hours. (laughs) That was a joke, but uh, yeah, it's been... I don't think
1: so. You spoke it into existence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, I just want to share with you random changes from the original draft that we got our hands on as a PDF many, many years ago to what is actually in Midnight Sun. So, uh, first of all, Rosalie's thoughts uh, didn't enter the lunchroom scene until much later in the actual draft, Um, in the scene in the draft. Uh, The word endearing was changed to sweet. Uh, The word grimaced was changed to to scowled. All right? Uh, There was an entire line removed. It used to say, her existence alone was excuse enough to justify the creation of the world. Yeah, that's a little much. (laughs) She removed it. Uh, Another line was removed the truth didn't see don't, the truth don't does not fr, doesn't no the truth didn't frighten her she wanted to be with me mind boggling but it was kind of repetitive of it what was he was already saying right so uh, there was an entire line added that was not in the draft this is a brand new line uh, that was not in the draft too casually too thoughtlessly but still if i was ever going to earn the trust she'd given me despite my unworthiness, I would have to keep every promise I could, even if the idea terrified me. That was not in the draft. (laughs) And there is, and of course, this is something that I'm going to bring up to your attention. There is an entire storyline, an entire storyline that was in the draft, not in Midnight Sun. Okay. Here it is. Edward, Alice, Edward, Alice called urgently. Suddenly, I was staring into a bright circle of sunlight, caught up in one of Alice's visions. It was a place I knew well, the place I just considered taking Bella, a little meadow where there, where no one ever went beside <laughs> myself, a quiet, pretty place where I could count on being alone, far enough from any trail or human habitation that even my mind could have peace and quiet. Alice recognized it too. She had been... She had seen me there not long ago in another vision, one of those flickering, indistinct visions that Alice had shown me the morning that I saved Bella from the van. In that flickering vision, I hadn't been alone. And it was now clear Bella was with me there. So I was brave enough. She stared at me, rainbows dancing across her face and her eyes fathomless. It's the same place... Alice thought, and her mind was full of horror that, uh, that didn't match the vision. Tension, perhaps, but horror? What did she mean? The same place? And then I saw it. Edward, Alice protested shrilly. I love her. Edward. I shut her out viciously. She didn't love Bella the way I did. Her vision was in... This is another section. By the way, this is broken up in other dialogue inside of Midnight Sun. I know. Okay. And then um, in the same place... Uh, let's see here oh no her vision was impossible wrong she was blinded somehow seeing impossibilities not even half a second had passed and bella was looking curiously at my face waiting for me to approve her request had she seen the flash of dread or had it been too quick for had it been too quick for her and then i focused. she saw it did she um, I focused on her our, on our unfinished conversation uh, pushing Alice and her flawed lying visions far from my thoughts. They didn't deserve my attention. I wanted I wasn't able to keep up the playful tone in our banter though uh, Then why let's see won't you tell me uh, you fa- won't you tell your father that you're spending the day with me? And then he he had some more thoughts interspersed. I shoved the vision, let's see, I shoved at the visions again, trying to push them further away to keep them from flickering through my head. And then another one, Alice was wrong, dead wrong. There was no chance of that. And it was just an old vision, invalid now. Things had changed. And then another one, Alice was wrong. I would continue as if I hadn't heard or seen anything. The next one, why had Alice forced this knowledge on me now? And then the next one. I scouted Alice, who, me, who met my glare with a warning glance. Beside her, Rosalie was glowering furiously, but I couldn't have cared less. Let her destroy the car. It was just a toy. And then, I didn't need pictures from Alice to illustrate this horror. My imagination was quite enough. And then I glared at her blackly, waiting for her to be afraid. Uh, th- this is to Al- to, uh, to Bella. I was afraid. I could imagine only too clearly having Bella near when I hunted. That was the end of chapter 11.
1: Because they talk about it. She asks about it at lunch. Could I ever see you hunt? And he freaks out. But um, so while all of that is not in here, he does mention... I, I feel like I remember him making mention of Alice's visions and in, then he, in
0: midnight sun
1: yes I'm trying to find it but you wouldn't shut up
0: well I'm sorry I wanted to read all the things that are not in there which are in the draft I don't know where it i is. I looked I didn't see it
1: I just read it
0: Okay. Well, then fair enough. It's it's probably there in some passing comment, but this, it's a this passing
1: thought and th- it's not a passing thought. It it is that
0: the, All I'm saying is this is some pretty detailed stuff that was in the draft and I think it's pretty I think it's it
1: Doesn't mean it won't come up later.
0: That's true. This it could come up later, but then I thought about that and I'm like, "Well, where would Stephanie Meyer put that in when it so clearly happened during this lunch conversation?" But it it still could come up again. He could refer back to it. Uh, Anyway, I I just, I just, those are my notes. Those are the kinds of things that I thought I would bring up. I thought it would be interesting for people who had never seen the rough draft that was.
1: Okay, right here. He says, for a moment, it was, it was so clear in my head. Bella's crumbled blood, um, bloodless body in my arms as though, and this is after they're talking about hunting and um, as though I were the one who had seen the vision rather than just watching it in Alice's mind. Um, I didn't need foresight to illustrate this horror. The conclusion was obvious.
0: And Um, that was just the only mention of everything I just read.
1: Right. But it does mention watching a vision in Alice's mind. That doesn't mean that it won't come up later. And even if it's not in the same way, it could come up in a different like dialogue between he and Alice. um, Yeah it could still come up again but it is mentioned seeing her lifeless but in a vision that alice had i'm
0: glad you picked up on that the one thing i will say though is i like how it was interspersed throughout the entire conversation in the draft it made me more feel more intensely of what edward was battling as to put out of his mind while he was trying to stay focused with bella
1: Say, I preferred that he was just focused with Bella. Okay, I don't know.
0: But he wasn't.
1: But he is now.
0: He is now because
1: this is the way it was published. Because <laughs> this is canon
0: law. <laughs> this is canon.
1: This is what came out. This is now, what he is now.
0: Fair enough. And this is why this is why Stephanie Meyer did not want anybody to read her original thing. This because, is why
1: that's a draft.
0: Yes. Uh, fair enough, but I, I I just I just wanted to bring that up. I thought that would be fascinating content to know that that was originally thought of as a possibility for telling this yes. lunchroom conversation in chapter eleven. Right, and so I'll tell you what we're at an hour. Why don't we just go ahead and wrap this episode and say we will actually cover chapter twelve in the next episode. <laughs>
1: Which, You're by the gonna way, make me do one episode for every remaining chapter, aren't you?
0: I don't know if that's true or not. You
1: might want to have to move this this iPad pencil, or I might stab you in the <laughs> eye with it. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> you and I can actually record the next episode right now.
1: No, okay. But
0: but we can yeah. say mm-hmm. until next time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we encourage
0: you to take. We encourage
1: all- Cliff to get a life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be back soon with another episode of the twilight saga fan podcast i want to encourage you to check out our weekly well oh whoa 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 whoa, whoa not weekly <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. our regular main podcast that stephanie and i do as a married couple we just released our 418th episode this week of the family from the heart podcast you can find it at family from the or just look up family from the heart podcast podcast in your family from the heart in your favorite podcast directory if it's not in your favorite podcast directory email me cliff at cliff ravenscraft.com i'll get it submitted Uh, but anyway uh, check out family from the heart podcast and the all new lord of the rings podcast.com or look up lord of the rings fan podcast by cliff ravenscraft in your favorite podcast directory Until next time, we encourage you to take everything you do, including your enjoyment of frustrating your significant other to the next level.
1: Oh, I just got permission. Thank you. (laughs) Much appreciated.